Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 4.09 here in the station in Pittston, 77 degrees and sunny. Get your outside on today. I'm telling you, it's going to change, uh, I guess, starting tomorrow. So today's going to be your last hurrah because uh, come the weekend, we're going to have a couple showers tomorrow, Saturday, and then Sunday. It's it's going to be in, I think, next week. The 50, 50 is going to be high next week. So uh, enjoy today if you can. Take some time out. Go for a walk. Do something outside. You really need to. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. Got some text messages in. As far as the strike or picking sides, what unions are good and what unions aren't to support. You know, Rob is a former 26-year employee of RCA Thompson Electronics in Dunmore, I could tell you when Tobihana Army Depot was on the closing block, there were people lined up from the airport to Tobihana, along with many politicians to protest the possible closing. Yet when Thompson went down, nothing but crickets. Some politicians uh, are just by a puppet, just puppets. And, and we, we know how it works. We know the big circle of funding. Yes, these politicians support the union. The union collects millions upon millions of dollars from their membership, and then the union donates that to the politicians. It's a big circle. That's all it is. It's a big circle, and every one of them. Some more than others, but it's the same thing. You know, they, they want to say, oh, look at, these, look at these politicians that are supported by the NRA, or look at these support, uh, politicians that are supported by the police unions. But it's okay when it's the teachers' unions, when it's the SEIU, when it's, when it's those unions. It's okay that they're donating millions of dollars of money to, uh, to these candidates because they support them. They, they stand up and they stand at a podium and say, we support you, when it actually means nothing. It actually means nothing but their little... Five minutes of fame to say, hey, I'm a union supporter. Look at me. I want to be on the national stage soon. Yeah, we'll see. We already have an AOC. We don't need a PGC. Little local back here is an expanded, expanded voter ID is back on the table in Pennsylvania. Now that we have, you know, I, I saw a notification on my social media. I believe it was on Facebook from Lackawanna County that a picture of a, a ballot drop-off box. That they're back. You can drop off your ballots now in Lackawanna County. We know there's going to be a couple in Luzerne County, and I'm sure everywhere else as well. So we have uh, expanded voter ID back on the table in Pennsylvania. And by on the table, I mean it's kind of teetering on the edge of the table, being scooted more and more onto the table. So let's be serious with what it is. But Pennsylvania lawmakers are once again considering expanding the state's voter ID requirement, this time as part of a larger proposal to change the date of the 2024 primary, presidential primary. They want to make it a lot sooner. So in order to do that, they're looking to get voter ID, real voter ID, uh, on the table for that. The Democrat-controlled state house is expected to consider a Republican-authored amendment this week that would require voters to show proof of identity every time they cast a ballot in person. Currently, state law requires voters to show proof of identification the first time they voted a polling place. It's unclear if there's enough support in a 203-member chamber where Democrats hold a one-vote advantage to advance such a proposal. Neither Democrat Governor Josh Shapiro 
or the GOP-controlled state Senate have publicly weighed in on the measure. So again, the Democrats only have a one-vote majority in the House. If we can get a handful of Democrats, five, six, even three, moderate Democrats that say, you know what? You need to show an identification the first time you vote in your polling place. You need to show an ID for a whole plethora of reasons here in the Commonwealth. Why can't you show your ID when you, every time you vote? And you need to call them. You need to put pressure on them. You need to constantly call them. You need to call them once a week now until this bill makes a movement and say, hey, I support this. Let's get it moving. Let, let's have it go. There's a chance here. Like I said, a one. But either way, do you have a, a governor who's going to say, no, I, I can't support this and veto it? And do we have veto a proof majority? I don't think so. So that's why I say it's kind of teetering on the edge of the table as being scooted in more and more. Now, the proposal is one of several that the state house lawmakers plan to offer as soon as this Wednesday as amendments to an existing bill that proposes the Pennsylvania 2024 presidential primary from April 24th to March 19th. So more than a month, they're looking to move the presidential primary up to be more of a contender. It gives us a, a platform more being the swing state that we are. And Democrats want to make several changes to the rules regarding mail-in ballots, including adding a requirement that directs counties to notify voters if they incorrectly fill out a mail ballot and allow them to fix it. County government in charge of running elections are already concerned that changing the 2024 primary date would cause serious logistical problems and that new amendments only add to their worries. Well, we've seen what kind of logistical nightmares our election, county election officials have with the, just having a regular election. You can imagine any changes, what it does to them. Now, of course, it says, will Democrats back expanding voter ID? A wide range of documents would meet the voter ID requirement under the new proposal, including any PennDOT ID for up to 12 months past its expiration date. So even an expired ID or driver's license would work. A student ID or a work ID. According to draft language reviewed by Spotlight PA and VoteBeat, if the voter lacks a photo ID, up to 13 types of documents, including utility bills, pay stubs, or lease, could be used as a substitute. Kind of waters down the whole voter ID thing, don't you think? Kind of, kind of... You can use a utility bill. Okay, how do I know this is you? There's no signature on a utility bill. There's no signature on a pay stub. There's, you know, at least might have your signature on it that they can compare. You know, is that really voter ID? Or is that maybe just to water down? You know, I don't have these things. I don't have a lease. I don't have a pay stub. I don't have a utility bill. The utility bill's under my mother's name. The utility bill's under my father's name. It's under my boyfriend's name. It's under my wife's name. It's under this name. The proposal would also require PennDOT to provide IDs that meet the new provisions requirement free of charge to voters if they request one. Voters could also ask another voter to vouch for them through a written affirmation if they lack one of the required IDs or documents. So the more you dive into the nuts and bolts of this voter ID, you really don't need any ID. You can have someone say, yeah, I swear that this is him or her. But, of course, you have uh, you have individuals 
who say that this puts an undue burden on voters having an ID. And I don't understand how that how that happens. How how do you actually articulate that? That that it causes a burden on people for having ID to vote. I mean, how much other things do we need IDs for? A, a, a plenty, a lot. But it's interesting to see that this is even being discussed. There is only, like I said, a one-vote majority for the Democrats. Uh, the Republicans do have the Senate, but again, they haven't weighed in on it. With all this watered down in the legislation, where you can use utility bill, a lease, this bill, that bill, uh, you can swine, swear an affidavit that's that just says this person's who they say they are. Why are we complicating something that should be very simple? You need to show an ID the first time you vote at a place. It means you showed it before. It means you have it. And even if it's expired, this bill says you could use it. But to add all these other things, is there truly voter ID then? Or is it just a lot of nothing? Is it Republicans going to give away stuff for nothing? Because it's truly not voter ID. I'm just looking through some text messages. And you can call or text at 570-883-0098. Because, um, you know, you, you look at these things and you're like, great. You know, voter ID is on the table here in Pennsylvania. But then you start reading through the, the nuts and bolts of it. You start reading through the swamp because that's what it is. And, you know, not only kid, don't you need a photo ID, but you can use all sorts of other paperwork. You can, you know, a utility bill, this, that, the other thing. And in the end, you can just get us, have, bring someone with you that's going to swear an affidavit that say, this is who they say they are. Now, in order to swear that affidavit, do you need to show a photo ID proving who you are? doesn't say that in the details here, but that would be comical if, if it's the case. Okay, who are you then? that swears this person is their, that person. It doesn't say the person swearing needs a photo ID or any ID. So um, 13 types of documents. And it's not like a, a voter ID is hard to come by, driver's license or an ID. And if they add, hey, you can use an ID or an expired PennDOT-issued ID. And you know what? If you just want an ID and not a driver's license, it's, it's free. I'll even take on the extra burden for that. You know what? Increase everybody's taxes a dollar. And let's give IDs in Pennsylvania to people who qualify for IDs for free in order to get voter ID passed. I'm okay with that. I'm willing to take that burden on. But that won't do it, and we have to ask why. Now, you already have representatives saying this is very bipartisan. A memo asking colleagues to support such an idea um, was co-signed by a Democrat state House member. In Pennsylvania, we are required to present identification the first time we vote as well as when we register the vote by mail. The lawmaker wrote in a memo, requiring identification at its polls prevents fraud and will begin rebuilding confidence in our electoral system says the new voter ID requirements would not go into effect until 2025, even if it did pass. And of course, you have a member of the New Pennsylvania Project, a voting rights group, said her organization is watching the voter ID amendment with caution 
New Pennsylvania Project is always going to be concerned about anything that puts an additional barrier in front of Pennsylvania voters, she said. What we are concerned about as an organization is this is the beginning of how voting rights get chipped away. Why, did, why is such a simple issue turned into the end of the world to some? To some? I mean, if you can't produce an ID to vote, which you had to the first time you voted there, what does it say about you as a voter? What does it say about us as Pennsylvanians? It's mind-boggling. And, of course, you have these organizations that probably raise funds. They're not for profit They do whatever they do. There's a, obviously a group of board are they paid? Do they travel? Do they collect funds to, to advocate for these people? That's all a lot of these things are. They're fundraising reasons, fundraising organizations to self-support them so they don't have to go out and get real jobs. Tons of them. I mean, if we, if, and that goes for anything. If, if we cured diabetes tomorrow, cured it, doesn't exist anymore, what would, what would an organization, a multi-billion dollar organization like the American Diabetes Association do? All the cancer. So if we cured cancer tomorrow, what would these, what would these uh, cancer organizations do? What would all their board, their, their hundreds of thousands of employees do next for a living? Sorry, nothing for you to do anymore. It's cured. We can only wish, but you have to look at the other side. Do they really want it? I mean, you look at these organizations, uh, you know, the American Diabetes Association, which I was an advocate for. You know, they, they spend the, the percentage they sent, spend to get the funds that they get is outrageous. They're a self-supporting employment organization. Now, yes, they do great things. But the infrastructure that's built around those great things is tremendous. And it's not just them. I'm just throwing them out because I have the most intimate knowledge of them. All of these organizations do that, every one of them. You look at the boards and the you know who gets what and the salaries. And, and you know, people making... that that bring in funds. They're the fundraising arm of that. Now they bring in a million, two million dollars, so it's worth paying them $200,000, $300,000. And you got to pay somebody that can actually do that work, and you want somebody good at it because you want to raise two, three million dollars. But you're taking two, three hundred thousand dollars of that two, three million dollars, and you're paying employees. It's a self sustaining employment agency, is what these agencies are, and including these. New Pennsylvania projects and all the rest of these organizations that say they're here for you and I and they're advocates. No, they're they're self-sustaining themselves through employment. It's 424 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, increasing clouds with some spotty showers, low 60. Friday, scattered showers possible, high 73. Saturday, scattered showers possible, high 62. Sunday, mostly cloudy and breezy with spotty showers, high 53. That's when the temperature goes down, so prepare for it on Sunday. It's currently 76 degrees and sunny here at 424. It's time for traffic. Is it? 
It is. There's, yeah, and there's traffic out there. If you're on 81 southbound, you might be a little bit frustrated at the moment. It is bumper to bumper, barely moving through construction on 81 southbound between Lenox and the Waverly exit. Then when you hit Scranton, oh, it, it's I, no explanation. I cannot see that anything happened. If anybody knows of anything that happened in the Scranton area on 81 southbound, please do tell me. But that seems to be crawling quite a bit. Um, those are the two worst areas on 81. You have bumper-to-bumper traffic as well on South Kaiser Avenue in Scranton, River Street in Wilkesbury, and a little bit uh, of heavy traffic heading up the Hill Route 6 and 11 in Clark Summit. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, W-I-L-K, traffic. I'm just trying to get... Uh... Some note we have here, but they're going to start this. It's the metal barrier wall that you saw being put up during the Trump administration where it has the the vertical grates in the middle and on the top it's parallel. And they're going to be putting 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 them in concrete, um, concrete uh, Jersey walls. So on our side of the Rio Grande River, it's actually beneficial. But if you put them anywhere where Mexico can get to them, cartels can get to them. You pretty much can can hook a, a, a heavy vehicle, a backhoe, a construction vehicle, and pull it down if it's not inserted into the ground. But if it's right along the river on our side, obviously they can't get to it with a vehicle if we're patrolling it property, properly. But it's interesting to see when you have the calls. When you have members of the community in Chicago screaming at their mayor saying, listen, we are the community of color here in Chicago. We get the scraps as it is. You are now catering to people who can't vote for you. We can. Stop putting us at the bottom of the pile. And it's, that resonates. That resonates very quickly, and it was very adamant that with that, that was said. It's very true that that's being said because they are. I mean, we can talk about you know the, the Army-Navy game up in Foxborough Stadium where people are getting kicked out of the hotels for reservations they have for months from now, for December because they've contracted the hotels to my, to housing illegal migrants. That's one thing. That's people going to a football game. The people in New York, the people in Philadelphia, in Chicago, Baltimore, Texas, the, you know, Arizona, the people dealing with this day in and day out that is totally overwhelming their infrastructure is really dealing with that. But what changed? I mean, here's Joe Biden when he was running for office just before he was elected. Here's what Joe Biden said. Um, build that wall. Are you willing to tear that wall down? No, I'm, there will not be another foot of wall constructed in my administration, number one. Number two, what I'm going to focus on, and, the, and your, uh, uh, the fact is that somebody in this group written a lot about the border. Um, I'm going to make sure that we have border protection, but it's going to be based on making sure that we use high-tech capacity to deal with it. Now, again, there was no high-tech capacity ever. There was no high-tech capacity because it's been open season at our board. We've seen that. September alone, there was 225,000 illegal migrants came through our southern border. And, you know, not a foot of wall is being built. But now it's, hey, you know, my hands are tied. It was forced. It's an appropriation. It's going to be built. So what changed? What changed besides his incompetence? From the start, everything he said in that interview, that was just before he got elected. That's while he was running for president was a lie. Not only are was are you not not building one foot of wall cuz now a wall's going up. 
you said you were going to use other electronic surveillance means to curtail illegal migration, which you haven't. As a matter of fact, you did the quite opposite, where you canceled the surveillance balloons that were along the border that had all sorts of technology, that had infrared, flare, and everything else, motion sensors. This man's incompetence is unparalleled as far as border security and pretty much everything else. It's uh, 4.33 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 4.39, 76 degrees. A song called Stand by local artist Nate Hosey. I appreciate him letting us use it. Where we honor our heroes across America who made the, make the ultimate sacrifice. 71 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice, five of them from here in Pennsylvania. To start off with uh, Patrolman Frederick Aaron Lippert. Whitaker Borough Police Department in 1972 succumbed to injuries sustained four days earlier when he was struck by a pickup truck while directing traffic. We have Patrolman Benjamin Harrison Manson, Braddock Borough Police Department in 1947, succumbed to injuries six days earlier when his patrol car was stuck by a train at the 8th Street Railroad crossing. Patrolman George J. Salad. Pittsburgh Bureau of Police in 1933 was killed in a motorcycle crash near 1300 River Avenue. Police Officer William Frederick Vallee, Philadelphia Police Department in 1929, suffered a fatal heart attack while directing traffic at the intersection of 6th Street and Erie Avenue. Police Officer Charles B. Jones, Philadelphia Police Department, Pennsylvania in 1919. Jones was shot and killed while attempting to break up a craps game, 13th Street and Rodman Street. Despite being mortally wounded, he was able to return fire and wound the suspect who shot him and serious wound the suspect's brother. Both were charged with murder. And that's our five from our area here in Pennsylvania. Uh, I got I got a text message before we go to break on the uh, on uh, what I was talking about, about Joe Biden kind of building the wall. And you know, I, I want to dive into it a little bit. It, it, the text message says, isn't it a good thing that Biden changed his mind on the wall? I think that the problem with our politics today, politicians are not allowed to change their mind and they're not allowed to compromise to make solutions and not rhetoric. The thing is, he didn't change his mind. He said today that he didn't think the border, the border wall does anything. And we know that's false. His press secretary said, no, he does not support a border wall. We are being forced to do this by the prior administration. That was her exact words. We are being forced to do this because of the Republican administration that was here before us. They passed this. This is the only thing this money can be used for. And uh, and we have to do it because we asked for them to reappropriate this money, and they refused to. So if he changed his mind, if he says, hey, you know what? I've talked to the experts. I've been down there. I see what's going on. I think a border wall will help us in these specific strategic areas. That's changing his mind. This isn't changing his mind. They know the problem's uncontrollable. They know it, but he's still, and his press secretary is still his past rhetoric. So I would agree 100% with you. If he came forward and says, hey, you know what? My policy was a mistake. We made a mistake. We need to put these walls in, in these strategic areas to kind of help what's going on. We've monitored it. We've seen it. It's out of control. It's overwhelming our cities. That's changing your mind. He didn't change his mind. He's still lying to you and I saying that walls do nothing when every expert says that it does something. And they're still saying now they're forced to do it because the bad Republicans funded this wall, and it's the only re thing that the money could be used for is put these walls up. And we're, our hands are tied. That's exactly what the press secretary Our hands are tied. 
It's the prior administration you want to blame for this. It's not us changing our mind. Even when his own Secretary of Homeland Security said today as well that a wall is needed. So that's not changing your mind. But I would agree with you. If that's what he did, I'd be the first to say it's a smart move, good move. At least he realized that it's overwhelmed us. It's put millions of illegal immigrants in our, in our country. But at least he's trying to stem that tide. Because, again, like I said, September alone, 225 illegal migrants came across that southern border. Something needs to be done. Listen to the people of Chicago. They are jumping up and down and screaming and say they will hold people accountable because they're done. 443 here, WI, okay? <laughs> Time for traffic and weather. Yeah, I am sitting here. I know you didn't notice me. You were in your zone. In my zone. This traffic update is brought to you by Pentella Data Internet. We have a lot of slowing on 81 southbound. You're going to slow down through the construction in the Endless Mountains region to um, the Waverly exit. You are going to be slowing down again through Scranton on coming southbound on 81 and out on 80 East, Elmhurst to Dunmore, that's pretty slow go as well. 81 northbound in the Wilkes-Barre area dips below the speed limit. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the, that's a fancy award you got there yesterday, too. I saw it on your desk, fancy award. We'll talk about it the next time you come in. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, increasing clouds with some spotty showers, low 60. Friday, scattered showers possible, high 73. Saturday, scattered showers possible, high 62. Sunday, it's when a cool front comes in, mostly cloudy and breezy with spotty showers, high 53. It's currently 76 degrees and sunny here at 445 at your official weather station, WILK. Just going to let that play. Kind of that feeling today, Jake. You know what I'm saying? Can't all be bad. Got to enjoy life a little bit. Today's a great day to be an American. Every day is a great day to be an American. All right. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. I got to have a good time every now and then, right? It's 448, 449 almost here. Um. 75 degrees, so that temperature's going down a little bit. The U.S. dollar has dropped uh, 0.8. We'll see. Currency as opposed to the the euro. Uh, today's World Teachers Day. So if you uh, have a teacher you want to give a shout-out to, if you have a special teacher that you want to talk about and give a kudos to, you have a kid's teacher, if you're you know somebody you want to recognize, by all means, call in today and let's give them a shout-out. Send me a text message. We will give them a shout-out. I have a few in my life. My seventh-grade science teacher, Mr. Muke, M-U-C, he was a—it was my first year of middle school in the New York City Board of Education public system. And just out of our elementary school was K through 6, and then 7 through 9 was our middle school. And then the high school had 9 again, but it was mostly just 10th, 11th, and 12th. So uh, Mr. Muke, seventh grade science teacher, really got me interested in, uh, you know, looking at the analytical things of science. So I appreciate him. Sticks out in my mind to this day as a, you know, a special teacher I had. Most of them I couldn't even name, but some of them stick out there. And uh, Mr. Berkowitz, my economic teacher in high school. Now, I must have been in 11th, maybe 12th grade. I might have been a junior or senior when I had him. Uh, he was a successful businessman in New York City. 
that taught because he wanted to bring his knowledge to students. And that that's truly a reason, you know, why to teach. And he, he was a great economics teacher. He, I credit him for giving me my foundation in economics and, and understanding, you know, credit and, and everything else that goes budgeting and everything with that. So those are the two teachers that stick out in my life. Again, my seventh grade science teacher and my 11th or 12th grade economics teacher. I really appreciate both of them. They really made an impact on my life. And they're out there. The public education, you know, if you're in the public systems, especially here in Northeast Pennsylvania, you, you get out of it what you put into it. If you want to just cruise by and do nothing, then you, you end up taking that out when you leave. If you really want to apply yourself and, and excel, there's, there's the room to do that here. It's all up to you. In most cases, you have some failing systems where it's just, you know, it's purgatory, I guess. But um, some other today in histories, we have uh, 1905, Wilbur Wright pilots the fir- uh, Wright Flyer 3 in a flight for 24 miles in 39 minutes. It was a world record that stood since until 1908 when they broke it again. In a little baseball action there, Jake, in 1921, the World Series was broadcasted on the radio for the first time. For 1921 first time. on this day. Man. And playoffs just began the other night. Yeah. Yeah. In 1947, the first televised White House address given by U.S. President Harry S. Truman. Yeah. It's hard to find that that yeah. video. <laughs> yeah. I remember trying to find it on Bob Cordaro's show, and it was a struggle and a half. Yeah. And uh, 1962, Dr. No, the first in the James Bond film series, was released, if you're a James Bond fan. And uh, 1969, the first episode of the famous comedy show Monty Python's Flying Circus aired on BBC. So that's today in history. We'll, uh, you know, you, you don't know where you're going until you figure out where you've been. So I like to throw these out things, little tidbits out there, especially when it comes to sports. I like stumping Jake every now and then. So uh, it's hard to do, especially when it comes to sports. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what we can do. It's uh, 4.52 here at WILK. We will be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in a minute. Here with the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. It is 4.55 here at the station. 75 degrees and sunny. You can call or text 570-883-0098. Let's get some of these phone calls. We have uh, Joe from Berwick on Kevin McCarthy. Go. Joe. Uh, Joe was on hold for a while, so we're going to... Have to step away from that. Let's go to uh, Ken from Hanover on the border. Ken. Hey, Rob. Two quick things. First, let's all thank Governor Abbott. His protest has worked. <laughs> no, no, no doubt. Putting uh, putting some pressure on some of the, the you know, well, Martha's Vineyard. Uh, you got to give DeSantis some credit there. You know, what was it, 30, well, or, 30 or 50 put them in a state of emergency? <laughs> and, it, uh, sorry, brain. Um, when for all their protests, when this works and reduces illegal immigration, they'll claim credit. The Bidens. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And, and we have to realize this is just a small portion of that they have to do or they lose the money. I mean, they can possibly lose the money. Uh, you know, it won't, I don't know if they lose it. it. It has to go somewhere. So for them to say they know there's a problem. When when you have residents of Chicago screaming and yelling, saying you are catering to a community that can't vote for you, we can. We're not going to be put at the bottom of the barrel. They're 100 percent right. The, these members. I mean, the idea, the idea that the administration would actually hold to the rules that the money had to go to a specific spot is a farce. Of course, they would make they would do whatever they feel like with the money. 
And he's and had no four one would years. Complain. I mean, if this was passed in 2019 and they're being forced to do it now, no, you waited all those years. Look at the amount of illegal migration that happened in those past five years. Record numbers. And like I said, just in, in September alone, 225,000. And he's been selling off the metal that's been waiting there to build a wall as scrap metal. I know I got a bunch of text messages in on it. But, um, you know, as text, they're um, selling it off as scrap metal. So they know. They read the writing on the wall. They know an election's coming. They have to look like they're doing something. That's all this is. And for them to stand there and say that walls do nothing and that they were being forced to do this, you know, let's hold them to that. This was not your idea. You were forced to do it, remember, by the prior administration, by the Republicans. That's what both he and his press secretary said today. All right, so when this does I mean, yeah. work, we'll see. It's the idea that walls do nothing. That's why prisons obviously don't have walls. Yeah, yeah. The White House—they just extended that fence. Yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. Have it's a good night, Rob. Thank you, Ken. Sorry. Um. Now we have a uh, Joe. You back with us? I am back. I apologize, Rob. No, no, you were on, on hold for a while, so it's my fault. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, you know, as we talk about all this stuff. It's amazing. I just passed a field of, of workers from, I, I think most of them were from Mexico, because I know the guy who employs them. And he brings them here every year. And, and, and they, don't, they, they come here, they work, they, they do honest work, they don't bother anyone. It's, it's, the stupidity is amazing, the fact that they can't see that there, are, there is a way to make this work. But um, I, I wanted to comment something specifically on the Republicans and, and, and you know, I don't know how many of your listeners know this. Back in June, when they raised the debt ceiling limit, the Republicans, the, the Republicans Party, those in charge, agreed to let go a Clinton-era uh, requirement on work for certain welfare benefits. And they, they allowed that. That was a Democrat demand that they they got the Republicans to go along with for God knows what reason. And, and this just shows why, you know, I've always said Republicans don't want to, they don't try to actually win. They just hope that they get voted for because the other side's so bad. Because when that happened, you know, if they, if they would have gone to the American public and said, look, we don't want, we don't want to uh, see people stop getting paid. We don't want to see the government run out of money. But we got one party here that's demanding that work requirements that Bill Clinton signed into law be dropped, and we just can't go along with that. Well, they did go along with it. And the and, and reason I know about it, there was an article in my newspaper today, somebody who worked with the homeless. I got less than 10 seconds, and, Joe. I got ten, less than 10 seconds. So yeah, and, and they said this problem is getting worse, and Republicans just, as part of that debt limit, they, they signed it into law. They, 